So good to be here. Um, <clears throat> you know, when your pastor said, you know, it's, you could reach anybody, anywhere, really, your, your work job, wherever you go. Last night, I decided I was just going to get a burger at Katie's Burger, I think it is. It was really good. And I was just going to take it home. So I was waiting for it. I ordered it there. I, didn't, I wasn't a mobile person, so I just ordered it there, and I sat down and in this little table on the side where I wouldn't be in anyone's way, and the place started to fill up, and a couple came in, and um, they were looking for a seat, and I said, oh, please sit here. You know, I'm just waiting for a burger, and I was going to stand. And they said, no, no, please sit at the table while you wait. So I sat down at the table. She happened to be Indian. He was not. He was American. I said, are you Indian? She said, yes, I am. And I'm like, well, let me tell you. <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't tell them what I do in their country. I just say, I know I do business um, in India, which is really what I do. We do have a business visa, and we legitimately do the business that we say we're doing, except we have an ulterior motive. Um, so as I sat and was waiting, my food came, and they're like, please don't go. Please stay with us. And they're just visitors. They're, they don't live here. They were just visitors. And I'm like, great, sat down, talked with them, all that God is doing. They were not believers, um, but I planted a seed. I didn't, they didn't get on their knees and, and give a, I, I didn't give an altar call or accept Christ or anything, but I planted a seed. And I believe when you plant seeds, God waters them. You may get to harvest it, or maybe someone else will. Seeds are important. When they're planted in the right soil. One time I was driving with my son and he said, you know, mom, there's a difference between dirt and soil. Dirt is dead. It's been used. It's dead. But soil has life in it. It's get the bugs. You know, us, us ladies, we don't like them bugs and worms. But anyway, it has life. And those things are doing things in that soil. And there's life inside of it. So when you plant that seed in good soil... It's going to produce something. Amen? And that's what we do in India. I'm going to share with you today out of John 14. Really quick. One of the things about soil in India is the minute you enter an Indian home, you are served immediately. You are served a cup of chai. This is one of the cups that they serve on the roadside. And I asked the man, if I could buy the cup, and he said, oh, auntie, it has no value. It's, I wouldn't even know what to charge. You just take it. It's an everyday cup, and after people drink what's inside of this cup, they just throw it on the floor. It's what's inside this cup that is so amazing. It's called chai. And it's not the kind of chai you get at Starbucks because they're just pumping syrup in there. Okay, this has got cinnamon and clove and black pepper and cardamom and black tea. And then it's put in milk and it, that milk is steeped and it's scalded and then it simmers for two minutes. Have you got it yet? Because the smell that comes out of that thing. Then they pour it in here. And notice it doesn't have any handles, so you're supposed to really hold it like this and drink it fast. It's hot, but it's so good. So when you come into an Indian home, you're immediately served this hot chai. And by the time you have finished this chai, you are no longer strangers, but you are now family. 
and they'll do anything for family. They'll listen to your stories. They'll listen to your whatever it is that you want. They'll, you'll get invited to this holiday and this Hindu holiday, and I go. I'll go to those holidays because then I have Christmas coming, and I got Easter coming, and I'll say, will you come? Will you come? We don't have a church. We just have them come to our houses, and we explain the story. Why do we celebrate Christmas? Why do we celebrate Easter? And why would you celebrate somebody's death? That's such a strange holiday. But I'm like, but listen, it's what happens after that death. This is what we celebrate. And then people begin to hear the story. But I want to tell you, first of all, this story. So this is the cup story. The cup is an everyday cup. But what's important is what's in it. I want to be an everyday cup that God pours awesome into and that people want to drink it really fast and say, can I have more? Because sometimes this little tiny cup, you know how we are in Americans, I got a grande vanilla latte today. And that's satisfying, right? This is like not. He's just like, can I have some more? And it's so good. Do people want more once they have drunk of what you have said about who Jesus is? In John 14, <clears throat> Jesus says this. In verse 15, i got to put these glasses on. Sometimes I think I don't need them. He says, if you love me, you'll obey me. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another Savior, the Holy Spirit of truth, who will be to you a friend just like me, and he will never leave you, um, and the world won't receive him because they can't see him or know him, but you know him intimately because he remains in you and will live inside of you. In verse 21, he says it again. He says, if you love me, you'll obey me. He says it again in verse 23. If you love me, you'll obey me. In this chapter, when Jesus says something three times, it's almost like he's yelling it. If you love me, you'll obey me. He doesn't say if you love me, you'll pray more. He doesn't say if you love me, you'll worship more. He doesn't say, if you love me, you'll go to the farthest reaches of the world. He says, if you love me, you'll obey me. Now, if he says, Sean, I want you to pray more. Obey him. Michelle, if he says, I want you to worship more, then worship him more. If he says, Steve, go to the farthest reaches and go and obey him. He says, if you love me, you'll obey me. In 1 Samuel, Saul has sacrificed all these things to God. And, oh, I know I didn't obey him, but I did this. Because we think all those sacrifices that we're doing are going to be good enough. Well, I won't, I won't pray more. But listen, I'll work in that food pantry. And, I'll, and those are all good things. But have you obeyed him? I'm going to tell you about how did I get from where I was to where I am. My parents got saved when I was 10 years old. And when I stepped into a church, 
I felt that warm blanket. I'm like, wow, this is a nice feeling. You know, I came from the Catholic church, 10 years of age, coming into a Pentecostal church where there was a band. And people were, cla- people were clapping and singing along. And nobody was kneeling down and kneeling, standing up and kneeling down. And the pastor was preaching on the bride of Christ. And he talked about Jesus as the bridegroom. And I thought, oh, I'm going to marry him. And so we all got in the car. And my mother said, how would everybody like the church? And my sister, who was the rebel in our family, went, me. My two brothers, I don't know, I think they were fighting over a sandwich or something. There was a fight going on. Me? I said, oh, Mom, I'm going to marry Jesus. I had my dress picked out, my veil, my shoes. It was stunning. And then my mother said, oh, honey, everybody's the bride. And I went, ugh. To get past that lady. She was like crazy up there at that altar. How am I going to get, she's really in love with him. Like, how's, how's he going to see me? But we know that Jesus does see us as individuals. He sees all his children, right? I fell away from the Lord at 18 when my past, my youth pastor, who everybody said was such a theologian, which sounded like he sat right next to Jesus. I didn't know what it was, but it sounded like he was super close. And he wound up having a moral failure leaving the church. And I thought, this is what my thoughts were at 17. My gosh, if he can't make it, how will I ever make it? And I began that slow progression. Front of the church, middle of the church, back of the church. Out the door, I was gone. And I lived a really uh, not-so-Christian life. Wound up uh, marrying a man that was not a believer, but really neither was I. I was not following the Lord um, at all. And one day a woman came up to me and she said, you know, Jackie, you would never need a weapon to kill anybody because your mouth is so sharp. And it was, everything was like, the F word was like the word the for me. And I thought, man, why didn't I just come back at him? Like, don't listen to me, you know, (laughs) and put a little word enhancer in there. And she said, um, yeah, you, you really do a good job. You tear people to shreds. I'm like, I know. It's a gifting. <laughs> On the way home, I felt so convicted. She must have been a believer because I felt conviction. And when I did, I said, when was I really happy with who I was? Not my marriage, not my kids, not any of that, my job, just me. And I remember I was sitting in a pew saying I was going to marry Jesus. So I went to church. I don't know what the pastor preached on. It could have been tithing. I didn't care. I was at this place. This is the place. This altar is where God transformed me. And I was here every Sunday. I think I got saved every Sunday for a year. Every Sunday. But then he started to work inside of me. And he started to show me things. And then one day my husband came home and said, I'm, I don't love you anymore. I'm leaving. And there's so much more in between here. What God did in me and how God showed me, if you obey me, I'll change things. Just obey me. And he told me to love this man no matter what. And I said, I don't know how. God said, it's okay because I do. 
And if you obey me, I'll change things. And I thought, okay, I can trust him to change things and restore my marriage, but that's not what he did. See, we can have a story and say, God will say something, and then we go on with the plan. Right? We go like 20 steps, and he's still right here going, I'll just wait here for you to come on back. Just, just come on back. And eventually I did. I just said, whatever you tell me to do. And long story short between that, because there's so much in between how God constantly, it wasn't just this one time, love him no matter what. It was constantly. And you know how we say you got to eat a piece of humble pie? I only want a sliver of that pie. Just, I have just a sliver. Like I'm dieting on humility. And God is always saying, Jackie, eat the whole pie. And I'm like, I hate this pie. You hate it. But God did a work in me the minute I said, okay, I'll do it. And that's why I ran here. No one had to pray for me. Sometimes I was even annoyed when people did. I'm like, why? You know, trying to prophesy something that God isn't saying. And I said, God, I just need to hear you. And I would ask, just put a bubble around me, like a force field. Stay away from me. <laughs> Don't judge me. Not that I didn't want people, you know, ever praying for me. Just then, I wanted it just to be me and him. Then God called me to Bible college. And I thought, what are you thinking? Because my husband, you know, we went through divorce court, all that stuff. God showed me how to forgive. Show him how to, and, and he humble myself before him and love him no matter what. My ex-husband now and his wife, who is the woman he, met, he left me for, um, support me in India. So we're really good. When they drive through my town, they're like, hey, we're driving through. Do you think you want to have some lunch? You want to have some lunch with us? I'm like, yeah. Their dog just had a litter of puppies. And I'm like, I want to play with them. He's like, come over. You're welcome anytime. That's the kind of relationship we have. This is a woman who destroyed me. My life was a train wreck, an absolute train wreck. Believe me, I didn't just walk like, oh, I'm just going to love everybody all the time. I stamped my foot. I'm tired of it. Why do I have to? And God's just saying, you're becoming more like him. You're becoming more like Jesus. You're becoming more like my son. Just trust me. All right, I'll go to Bible college. Four years of Bible college. <clears throat> I was on the church board. I graduated, and I felt like the Lord woke me up one morning and said, it's time. It's time to get your credentials, and I have something for you to do. So I got my credentials. He told me to resign from the board, and I said, okay, no problem with that. <laughs> so I went to my pastor. I said, I got to resign. I said, I, I believe God has something for me. He said, Jackie, I believe that. He said, um, and I'd like to offer you a staff position. And I said, what? He said, yeah, I'd like to offer you a staff position. I said, oh. He said, go home and pray about it. I'm going to have to pray about that one. And I walked out that church, and no sooner did I walk out and step on that sidewalk that God said, go back and tell him yes. And I'm like, no, no, I don't want to be a pastor. I think I'll be a huge disappointment, first of all. Remember, people can't handle my truth. You know, like I, I don't put sugar on stuff. I'm straight up Boston. When it, you want to talk to me, I'm going to tell you the truth. Me and my boyfriend slipped. I'm like, oh, my gosh, did you fall? Did you hurt yourself? Well, no, no. And I'm like, oh, you mean that? Well, let's call it what it is. 
It's called sin because sin should give you that little pinch. That's conviction, right? It's conviction. Condemnation is a wrecking ball. It'll wreck your life. It'll push you out the church. But conviction sends you here. It sends you to the place of prayer and say, God, I know. Please help me change this about myself. So God said, go back and tell him yes. And I'm like, all right. He said, you need to learn this role. Now, my pastor, super humble, super merciful, right? Everybody used to, I used to be like, people walk all over this man. Why? And I'm more of the off with their head, let them go, bye, you know. God says, I need to like, I need to soften those edges there, Jackie, a little bit. And so I went back in and literally my face to Pastor Joe was, okay, I'll take it. But I don't think I'm going to be a good pastor. And he goes, Jackie, I thought you'd be happy. I'm like, I think I'm going to be a huge disappointment. I think I'm going to be in your office all the time. And he just laughed and he said, Jackie, you know, people are like cupcakes. I said, all right, you got me at the cupcake. He said, well, scrape the frosting off of them. They're just muffins. <laughs> Anybody can pass by a muffin. So you frost that thing, they become irresistible. He said, when you frost people with grace and mercy and unconditional love, they become irresistible. Then started my journey of <laughs> the frosting. Because I said, I think some people in this church have a little too much frosting. Did you ever get one of them cupcakes that's a huge bunch of frosting? You just scrape off a little. He goes, you're not getting it. I'm like, no, I, I, I am. <laughs> Ten years I was there as he showed me how to frost people with mercy and grace and unconditional love. And then one day God woke me up and said, it's time to move forward. And I said, where are we going? And he didn't say anything. And I thought, I know, I'll get my master's degree. Right? I'll get my master's degree. And I've, I've tried to get it before, and God would always say no. He said, your motives stink, Jackie. You don't want it to learn about me. You want it so that other people will see your master's degree and not your divorce and your single motherhood or your single lady thing. He said, your motives stink. No. And I'm like, Ugh. But this time I didn't hear him say no. And I thought, green light, doing it. Dallas Theological Seminary, got accepted, going to do it online. But I didn't feel peace. And I said, what do you want me to do? God only lights up. My word is a lamp unto your feet. It's not a spotlight. It's not that the high beams on your car. It's a lamp unto your feet. It's for the next step. And every time I was taking that next step, you, I would hear the enemy say, but you're divorced. You failed at this. You failed at that you got to raise a son. There'll be all these excuses. There's nothing new under the sun. He did it to Moses. He did it to Jeremiah. He's done it to David. He's done it to all these great ones that we read in the Bible. And he does it to you. He does it to me. He does it to your pastor. Oh, no, don't do that. They'll get upset. 
don't go there. Oh, and I felt it was God, but don't go. This one will be mad. This won't be this. Don't do that. So, of course, I didn't know, all right, what do you, you don't want me to get my master's. I get it. I don't feel the peace. So what do you want me to do? I came here again. I came to the altar. And I said, God, what do you want? Because sometimes we hear best when we're on our knees, not caring who is looking. Excuse me while I have a moment with Jesus. That's what I would do. Excuse me while I have a moment with Jesus. And off I go. I said, okay, God, where do you want me? And in walks my pastor. He says, Jackie, what are you up to? I said, oh, you know, just cleaning and praying. It was a day after Christmas, I think. And I said, I'm just, you know, cleaning up. I realized we had things here and just wanted to clean up and pray a little bit. And he said, Jackie, can I tell you what's on my heart? We had just, um, a past, couple of pastors had left. Um, and I pretty much was the only one left on staff and, he said, um, Jackie, can I tell you my heart? And I said, sure. And he said, um, I've been praying. He says, I, I don't think you're going to be here much longer. So I, and I started to cry. And I never cry because I work with all dudes. And the minute you start crying, they give you what you want. They get all squirrely and nervous. They're like, oh, my gosh, she's crying. You stop. Give her. Yes, your budget's raised. <laughs> and that's just manipulation. So I, I tried to keep it under control, but I started crying. He's like, I'm not firing you. I'm just saying, this is what I feel like the Lord's saying. And I said, Pastor, I know that he's saying something. I just don't know what he wants me to do. I have no idea. He said, Jackie, you love missions. You've been on every missions trip. Your leadership is stellar. You, you, you just got it. He said, why don't you do the missionary associate program with AGWM? That's Assemblies of God World Missions. He says, we'll fund your first year. You just have to raise your second. This is the kind of man I worked with. That's over $30,000. I said, okay, I'll think about it. He said, go home and pray about it. Out of that sanctuary we went, and I felt it. I felt that peace. And I said, do you feel that? He said, what? I said, it's a peace I was looking for. He said, great, now I get in my car. And the onslaught starts. What about, what about your son who was married in the Navy? <laughs> oh, my gosh, what about my son? And a grandchild. What about your aging parents who live in Florida, having a great time? What about your car payments? What about this? What about that? Onslaught. But in the midst of the storm and the chaos, I felt that peace. My God is a strong tower, right? The storm can rage, but in here, there's peace. That's when I knew, all right, I'm on it. Started praying and fasting, and I heard one name, and I knew this woman was a missionary in India. I had no affinity for Indian people, nor their culture or their food. I do now. Um, and I kept dismissing it. I'm like, why am I thinking about her? I haven't, like, I heard her speak five years ago. What's that? And as I came back to the place of the altar, I heard her name again, and I said, okay, I'll go. I'll go. 
So I call, I, I wrote her, I know you don't know me, <laughs> but this, this, and I was telling her the story, and she said, come. So I went through AGWM, did that whole process, and then came the humbling again. You have to go around to churches, and you got to start asking people for money. I'm a single mother. I never went on welfare. I, I worked for my money. I worked a job. Um, my whole life supported myself. Now i got to go around and ask people. I'm like, I hate this pie. But I love people. So every church I would go into, I got to meet new people. I got to uh, experience other people's churches. It was fabulous. And then I packed up all my things, got on a plane where I did not know the culture. I barely knew the woman I was going to see, and I knew, did not know the language at all. But I sold all my things. I gave up my library, which I loved my books. Um, I, don't, I don't read non, is it nonfiction that's not true. Fiction. I don't read fiction. I like true stories, biographies. I like spiritual books. Anything to grow my spiritual life and not take me somewhere else into Gryffindor for wherever. I don't know what they... I don't know. That, you know, they take you somewhere else. I want to go where God takes me. So if I want to strengthen my spiritual life, I'm going to read about the Holy Spirit, how to have a good relationship with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to, I'm going to read books about... Um, how to get rid of bitterness. You know what bitterness is? Bitterness is living in the past. You're having a relationship with the past. That's what bitterness is. And I didn't want to have a relationship with my past. I wanted the future. So I got on a plane, and God put me on top of a mountain. And one of the missionaries that spoke here last week, Ashley, was with me. She came, and she would come to my house, and she would cry, and she would say, can I just come to your house? I need a mom. I'm like, yes, come. Language. I started this thing at 51 years of age. I'm 25, 51. And I said, yes, God, I'll go. What's God saying to you? Where are you going to go? Is it to the person that's in the cubicle next to you? Next to you? Is it that person that drives you crazy? There's a reason why that person drives you crazy. God wants to teach you something. And he wants them to know that they're loved. I was helping someone who had this job making cream cheese or something, right? She said, can you come help me? I said, sure. And she had this woman, Rosemary, come. Now, Rosemary never stopped talking the entire time. I'm like, why is she still talking? And then I think, I'm never coming here again. <laughs> and she's talking and talking and talking. I'm like, man, this is crazy. I'm, someone asked me, how was it? I'm like, well, it was great until this woman came. And she just never shut up. She just kept talking. And I wasn't going to go back and help again, but the Lord said, you are going to go back. And I want you to find something that you love about her. You want to know what I loved about her? The first thing that came to my mind, her she had such a thick Boston accent. And I'm, it's the very thing that I was like, she drives me crazy talking the whole time. It was the very thing that God said, that's it. Listen to her accent. And when I went, I thought, <laughs> I, I listened to the accent. I'm like, listen to her. She knew everything about the green, red, green line, red line, 
blue line, this line, go here and you go there, the Freedom Trail, this and that. I mean, constantly talking. But, and I would laugh and I would be like, man, now when I see her, I'm like, Rosemary. <laughs> I'm like, let's do a YouTube channel, Fridays with Rosemary. We could talk about nothing. And we'll make millions. Right? That's the kind of stuff you look for. Show me the person's gold. Everybody has gold inside of them. Everyone. Our job is to go, okay, give me your eyes, Jesus. Give me your eyes and show me what it is. When I'm in India, I do the same thing. I'm no different because I don't think Jesus is any different. I'll go into a Hindu temple. My God is a big G God. Their gods are little G gods. I'll go into a Hindu temple and I'll pray to Jesus. And sometimes the uh, pundit, the priest, will come up and say, excuse me, you have to go. I'm like, what? I'm just praying. <laughs> yes, you have to go. I'll go to a, a, a mosque and I'll pray with the ladies there, but I'll pray to Jesus because I think Jesus would have walked into a mosque and I think he would have walked into a temple and I think he would have sat down with people like he sat down with Zacchaeus at, that, at his table and something happened at the table. Everyone is welcome at the table where Jesus sits. Everyone. Even the atheists. Atheists are my favorite of all, especially Indian atheists. Because they have so many gods to choose from, they're just like, nah, done. And what I do is I let them talk and talk and talk until the Holy Spirit goes, that right there, speak to that. If we walk with the Holy Spirit in such a way, that way, he'll reveal why people are bitter, why that person's so annoying. They weren't born that way, right? When they came out of their mother's womb, they were not annoying. They were loved. They were cherished. I just look at them that way. It took a while for me to get there. Remember, because you're walking out your salvation, right? It's not going to be perfect. You are going to fall. You're going to trip, but you're going to get back up again. If you choose and you fall and you trip and then you say, forget it. I'm not going to do it. I'll never be like him. You've just aborted the whole process. My word is a lamp unto your feet. I've met so many people in India, but one girl in particular came to my house, pretty much a Hindu atheist, Hindu by tradition, atheist in belief. The boys at the boys' home that I was working at came down to my house. They said, Auntie, we're coming down for chai and we're bringing this girl. I said, okay, come on down. I said, stop at the uh, Dukan, the store at the corner, and tell the uncle there, the lady with the fire in her hair wants milk and she'll pay you tomorrow. That's how they are. Here, would never go for that. But there, on a mountain, they figure, where are you going? going anywhere so they come with the milk they come with this girl and I begin making chai because that's the first thing you do when you enter someone's home they make you chai I am fully caffeinated at all times in India any store you go to it's not a Walmart or a Target where you can like one-stop shop it's there's the chicken walla the guy is a walla who sells something chicken walla there's the veggie walla the fruit walla 
the, the guy who sells all the grains, and then there's the guy who sells the shampoo and all that kind of stuff. Everybody has a different store. So in every store you go into, they offer you a cup of chai. And you're like, oh, thank you so much. Good thing they're small cups, right? If they were big mugs, I'd be like, I can't. Can I see your bathroom, please? Uh, they bring this girl over. I make her chai. You know, I, I embrace her first. Then I go make chai. And, and I could hear her speaking in Hindi saying, what is that feeling that I felt when she hugged me? She said, and it's still in this house. What is that? And they say, she says it's Jesus, and we believe her. Because we've never met anybody like her. We've never met a foreigner, never met a Christian like her. And as we begin to talk, she said, may I come to your house every week and we talk about Jesus? I'm like, sure. Come on over. She would come, and after two months, this is what she asked me. Auntie, is Jesus like you? And I said, oh, honey, he's so much better. She said, because if he's like you, then I'll follow him. I said, well, he's better. And then she brought me to a house where I was sitting, and I was, uh, I was just sitting there, and this woman came up to me, and she said, excuse me, your face your face is glowing. What's your secret? I said, honestly, I think it's menopause. <laughs> I sweat like nothing. Like I just sit there and I sweat. I could be doing nothing. And I come up with this like, like tornado of heat and I'm sweating. And she knew the difference. She said, no, it's not that. What's your secret? I said, you want to know my secret? She said, yes. And I said, well, it's joy. She said, Joy, where do you get this joy? I said, do you want to know where I get it? I said, well, I'm a follower of Jesus. I said, I didn't always have this joy. And as I began to tell her my testimony, which someone told me you cannot tell your testimony in India because divorce is shameful. And I looked at them and I said, listen, a long time ago, God delivered me from shame and guilt. And I don't wear those clothes anymore. I wear his clothes. I said, and I'm a spirit-led woman. And if God tells me to share my testimony, then I'm going to do it. No matter who, what, and how they judge me. What someone does with your kindness and your testimony is not on you. It's on them. Right? Kindness is free. What people do with your kindness, you open the door for somebody at a store and they don't say thank you, don't be like, well, thanks. You're welcome. Just, what are you expecting? Just, aren't you being kind just to be kind? Kindness is free. And as I began to tell this woman my testimony, she began to cry and weep. She said, how do I know this Jesus? I said, well, let me tell you. I put that Bible app on her phone. I said, you start in Book of John. I said, I want you to remember three questions. And you want you to write them down. I don't like this verse. Tell me why you don't like that verse. Write it down. Oh, I love this verse. Take that verse, write it down. Tell me why you love it. Then write, I don't understand this verse. I said, then we can have a conversation. She said, well, I don't understand why Jesus says, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And I said, I know. It makes him sound like a vampire. But he's not. <laughs> right up above it, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I said, you know how important bread is in Indian cuisine? Like you have it morning, noon, and night. 
there's naan, there's chapati, there's roti, there's parata. I said, remember how important? And she said, yes. I said, it will sustain you. You could have a chapati in the morning, and then you're... She said, yes. I said, well, Jesus is saying, if you eat of me, if you drink of me, you'll be satisfied. It'll sustain you. She said, oh, that's what he's saying. You see, they serve terrible, fearsome, horrible gods, and they serve them out of fear. When you come with a God that loves them, they're like, wait a minute. What do you mean he loves me? And you have to bring it into their context. And because I am like a super extrovert, meaning I'll talk to anybody, anywhere. I'm the woman in the elevator that can't be quiet. I'll talk to anybody. I'll find someone, and I'll say, you smell fantastic. You know, and they'll be like, well, thank you so much. Starts a conversation. I'm the wrong line person. I'll get in the wrong line at CVS every time. There'll be 10 people here, three people here. I'm three people. Get in this line. Those 10 people will be out the door at Starbucks drinking their coffee. And I'm still in line. So I use it now. I use it and I go, hey, how you doing? And they're like, wow, you know, my mother's sick. I'm here, you know. Oh, can I pray for her? People will never say no to prayer. Really. You say, hey, can I tell you about Jesus? They'll say, oh, just been at the Jesus buffet. I'm a little full. Good. But prayer. Everybody. You mean right here? Yes, right here. Why not? Let's pray. And you know you can pray in your car. You know you can pray here. You can pray wherever you want, and God will hear you, and he'll listen to you. And he will answer. He may not answer what you want, but he's going to answer what you need. I've prayed for more people in line, airports, wherever. Hey, where are you going? And they'll say, where are you going? Well, first, I'm going to India. Second, I'm going to heaven. You want to know why I know? <laughs> and uh, it opens up a door. That's how you should live your life. Ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want me to say? How do you want me to deal with this thing? What do you want me to do, God? He'll guide you. You just have to have the courage to do it. Because here, there is a lost and dying world. People are tired of hearing about COVID. They're tired of hearing about you can't do this and you can't do that. If you want me to wear a mask, I'll wear a mask. I love you. I'll wear a mask. I won't like it. But I'll wear it because I love you. What are you going to do with your life, that one life that God gives you? You think, man, I've messed it up so many times. It's just, I just stopped. Because why would anyone listen to me? Well, why would anyone listen to David? Why would anybody listen to Paul? <laughs> he was a murderer. Why would anybody listen to Peter? He had a big mouth. He's bossy. Why would anybody listen to fishermen? Why won't they listen to you? We're all failed or fallen and broken. And, but God puts things back together really well. You know, in Japan, when they break a bowl, they don't put it back together with, um, and they'll throw it out, but they don't put it back together with just clay or whatever. They put it back together with gold. So when that thing is done, it is more beautiful 
after it was broken than before. That's how I look at myself as saying, God, you put me back together with things that are precious. Forgiveness. Obedience. Those things that I think, man, I got to have what's right because I'm a right and wrong person. But God has put that frosting in between. He's got that frosting bag in my hand. Frost it up, Jackie. Frost that thing. Frost that offense over. If you're easily offended, you need to get yourself to a place where you can be healed. And that's just sitting in his presence. And let him reveal to you things that need to be dealt with. Yeah? People out here, just that couple last night sitting at a table and offering them the table I was sitting at. Please sit here. And I was going to get my stuff and go. And they said, please stay. We want to hear more of what you're doing. That's how God is. Every opportunity you have. Lord, what do you want me to say? Sometimes he'll tell you to be quiet. Do it afraid. And if they reject you, they've rejected Jesus. But what if you're in the encounter, you've encountered someone like Zacchaeus or the woman at the well? Those people, Nicodemus. Oh, no, I can't talk to them. They know too much. I'm no theologian, but I can sit with an atheist, and all I have to do is say, I don't have to defend Jesus because he's more than able to show himself. But somehow he's put me at a table or in a line with this person. I'm going to do it. I just wait and listen for that offense or that brokenness and say, okay, God, how do I speak to it? Showing people the greatest thing you could ever show them is patience and love and kindness. Even if they don't show it back. Plant seeds everywhere. Jesus' seeds always grow. Always. His word never comes back to him void, yeah? So in India, I'm just going to wrap this up. I'm working with, um, I'll be working in a mountain at the, at the Dalai Lama's home. It's where he lives in Dharmashala. I'll be working with Buddhist monks and nuns, Hindus and Muslims as well. Um, and we have a ta- Tibetan tea shop. So we minister there. That's our platform. And we go out and we create genuine relationships. One girl asked me, well, if I don't become a believer in Jesus, will you still love me? Yes. Because Jesus still loves you. <laughs> to the very end, yes. We want to disciple people well so that they can go back to their village, a place where I could never go as a white woman without creating questions. But disciple them well, they go back to their village, and they start discipling people. A passion for Jesus. I want you to stand for a moment. I want you to pray the cup prayer. Lord, I'm an everyday cup. And I want you to pour awesome into it. Lord, create us to be just an earthen vessel, an everyday cup that you pour awesome into. And that, Lord, we'll do what you say. We'll obey you. We'll follow you wherever you do. Whatever you're doing, we want to do it. Whatever you're saying, we want to say it, God. Use us. If you are dry and you're 
um, you're, you're bored with Christianity maybe or you're dry in your walk with God, go introduce someone to Jesus. Talk about him. Make him known. And you'll, it's like a can of Red Bull. You'll be so energized. Lord, I pray that you use them in their workplace, with their neighbors, with the people that have offended them or hurt them or don't like them. Lord, that you would pour out your great love upon this congregation and use them. In Jesus' name, amen. In the back, you'll see a, a table, and I sell chai boxes. That's that drink I was talking about. It's the way you make um, traditional chai. I'm selling those for a girl that I met, and she got saved. She's from a very high-caste Brahmin family. And they told her, if you do not renounce Christ, we will not feed you, we will not educate you, and we will, you will lay on the floor and sleep on the floor like a dog. I said, I'll educate you, I'll feed you, and I'll buy a beautiful mattress for that floor. And God gave me the idea of these chai boxes. I sell them for $25, and all that money goes to them. $5 goes to making the box. $20 goes straight to her. I've paid for two years of college already. She's in biomedical technology. She's a very smart girl. Um, and four years of college in India, get ready. $6,000 for four years. That's like nothing. That's books here in the States, right? So that's why I sell those uh, back there. And um, I wanted to say this and charge you. Don't be afraid to speak about who he is or just shine. Just shine for him. Do something kind for somebody. If someone's struggling, carrying their packages out from there, help her. Help him. Say, hey, can I help you? Show some love. Yeah, today, God bless you. Wow. Thank you, Jack. You can be seated just for a minute. I want to close us, close us up. Um, just the end of our uh, emphasis here on uh, reaching unreached people, right? And what a, what a good uh, reminder and charge. Uh, some of the things that stuck out to me were just the, um, the question that somebody asked her, does Jesus look like you? Um, that that alone would motivate you, right? Like, uh, does Jesus look like me? Um, and then uh, kindness is free, right? It doesn't cost us anything, and uh, so many so many uh, people see that. So, just to uh, if if you um, just connected with Jackie and you personally, uh, well, I want to give an offering to her ministry, invest into her. Uh, please do that. Um, you can write a, a check, uh, cash. You can use uh, the the app, the online option. Um, just write in the uh, in the memo, Jackie, and and we will every single thing that comes in through that will go will go directly to her. So uh, you can do that. I just want to um, follow up the end with our faith promises. We've been announcing it every single week, and this really is the method. How we, can, how we make promises to our missionaries. Um, and so I'm going to ask you to uh, please submit this today um, so that we can begin to compile and, and 
figure out what we can do. What we do is if you're new, you're watching online, we take the promises that you make, uh, whatever it is, you say, hey, monthly I can do this, quarterly I can do this, I can make a one-time gift uh, because I get a bonus for my job, uh, however you want, you can write that on here. And we take those numbers, we add them all up, and then we, we try to hopefully recommit to our, our, uh, our, our staff, our overseas staff, because um, that's what they are, our current promises to them. And then if there's more, we add people to that, similar to Jackie or Tony Nashley or Jen, who was here first week. So, um, so please prayerfully do that. See what God would have you do to send somebody to a place that you can't go. So that's essentially what we're doing. We're, we, we all are tasked with reaching unreached people. Uh, you, by your default as being a Christian and as a believer, if you're like Christ, Christ says go. Christ says engage. Christ says love and, and you know, spread the word. Um, not all of us can leave our home and sell everything and go to different parts of the world to do that. And so uh, this is why we raise faith promises, to help support those uh, who do do that. Um, so if you have it with you today, fill it out, drop it in the offering box uh, in the back as well. Um, if you forgot it or you say, you know, you can text me, email me during the week or something like, hey, I forgot to fill it out or um, whatever. We're just looking for that information. Um, have you guys enjoyed this month? Have you guys enjoyed hearing? Yeah. Yeah, God is good. Amen. Amen. I encourage you, I'm going to close this in prayer. Uh, there's some snacks and some coffee and whatnot. Hang out. Uh, engage. Talk with Jackie. Um, ask her questions, things that came up. Um, she, she loves to talk. She told us. So, uh, so you won't be bothering her. Um, and uh, looking forward to, uh, to all that God has in store for us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for, for Jackie. Uh, we thank you for uh, all the previous folks who came and spoke to us this month. And Lord, we just ask a couple of things. We ask, Lord, first that you would uh, provide everything that these folks need to be obedient to your word overseas. That, Lord, they would have uh, the, the resources they need, that they would have the, uh, the spiritual power that they need, that they would have the emotional uh, reserves and physical health and all of these pieces that are necessary uh, to follow you to a foreign place. We pray, Lord, that you would supply all of their needs. Uh, use us to be a part of that. Uh, second, Lord, we ask that the messages that were communicated over this last month, that were shared with us, Lord, would, would seep into our hearts, that you would seal that, and that every one of us would ask those questions. Uh, what can I do to befriend, to be like Christ, to, if people, uh, that I would live a questionable life, that when people see me, they would ask, why? why? Why are you different? Why is this? Why is that? And that, Lord, we would be ready to say, well, if you really want to know, it's Jesus. Lord, may we be empowered and encouraged to reach out to the unreached people who live all around us and work with us and play with us. Um, Lord, we're here as we sang in our service today. Lord, we want to do your will. <clears throat> We thank you, we praise you in your precious name. Amen. <clears throat> Amen, church. God bless you. Really good to see you. We'll see you next week.